Today on Blue 58, we spend some time getting to know the Dallas Cowboys. Can the Packers get back to their winning ways against a very formidable opponent? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Would like to remind you that there is a print version of this uh, this preview piece available at thepowersweep.com. We're going to talk through some of the aspects of that piece that we do not uh, that we can expand on in the in the podcast here. But you should go check out the entire printed piece as well. There's some good stuff there that we can't necessarily get to. Um, in in the podcast version, for instance, some video content very hard to translate translate that to uh, to the podcast. So check that out at thepowersweep.com. It's a, it's a good one. The Dallas Cowboys, a unique opponent for the Green Bay Packers, in that they have a lot a lot of history together. Recent history in the playoffs, in the regular season, in the early nineties, in the sixties. There's a lot going on between the Packers. And the Cowboys. And it's always fun when the Packers get together with the Dallas Cowboys because they have so many of those cool moments. And this is going to be a tough time for the Packers to be looking to pick up a win. It'll be nice to get back to uh, to a win. It'll be nice to get to 4-1 and one in the first five games of the Matt LaFleur era. But it is a tall task as we turn to the tail of the tape. The Dallas Cowboys are as good as you've been told, and it doesn't really matter whether you look at the raw numbers, the advanced stats, whatever. They're pretty much good across the board. Just in raw numbers, they have the second overall offense, the seventh overall defense. If you look at the efficiency numbers, they've got the second overall offense and the 15th overall defense. They're good. There's a lot of alignment between the traditional stats and the more advanced numbers. The story you'll hear about coming into this game is how good, though, the Dallas Cowboys' offensive line is. And that doesn't take anything away from the very good seasons that Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott or Amari Cooper may be having on offense, any number of their good defensive players, Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, anybody up the middle uh, in Dallas. That doesn't take away from anything that they're doing. The Dallas Cowboys' offensive line is just, just that good. Football Outsiders ranks them as perhaps the best all-around offensive line in the NFL. The the raw numbers, whatever they they put together as as their entire uh, evaluative number for the offensive line, has them as the fifth, the fifth best offensive line. But in a couple key areas, they are the best, and they are the best by a relatively considerable margin. Take, for instance, one key stat, the stuffed rank. Now, this is a a custom thing that Football Outsiders does. A stuffed rank is how often a running back is tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. And they specifically, through their charting methods, try to sort out the plays in which a running back makes the play on his own. In this metric... The Cowboys are tied for first in the entire league with the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. They get stuffed at the line of scrimmage almost only about half as often as the average NFL team. Put a different way, they are twice as good at avoiding this terrible thing in your running game as a typical NFL team. By way of comparison, the Packers are the 29th ranked team 
in this metric. 26% of their runs end at or behind the line of scrimmage. The Dallas Cowboys, just 10%, tied with the Baltimore Ravens and also the Arizona Cardinals for the very top spot in the league. For the Packers, a team that's had serious problems defending the run over the past few weeks, really the entire season so far, that should be very, very concerning. Moving to quarterbacks, it's tough to really dive too far into this one. The raw numbers, the advanced numbers, say that Dak Prescott as a whole, on the whole, has outplayed Aaron Rodgers this year. That's not an indictment of Rodgers as much as it is a credit to Dak Prescott, who's put up excellent excellent numbers so far this year. He's been really, really good. There's not too much more we need to spend on that other than that pointing out that he's really, really excellent and has played really well this year. So let's just move on. We're going to stick with the offensive line for our player to watch, not just because he's good, but because he has an interesting story off the field too. Travis Frederick is probably the Cowboys' most important offensive lineman this week. Tyron Smith's a bit banged up, may not go this Sunday. That leaves it to Frederick to really sort things out on the offensive line. And that's what the center is really going to be doing anyway. And he's been pretty good so far this year. Uh, He's been excellent in his career to date. Maybe not quite the player he was, but there's a good reason for that. And we'll talk about it in a second. In 264 snaps so far this year, Frederick has yet to give up a sack and has only been penalized once. Normalized to 65 snaps a game, that's a rate of 0.24 per 65 snaps. Uh, As we do, that would be right up there with the very top number on the Packers, right up there with Billy Turner. Again, for reasons that defy understanding, rewind to our Monday podcast, and we'll have a, a more full discussion of that. But the really impressive thing about Frederick is his battle back from Guillain-Barre syndrome last last year. He was diagnosed with this last August. It's a nervous system disorder that basically shuts down the communication, as I understand it, between your nerves and muscles. It, it, it shuts down your body either slowly or quickly, depending on how severe um, you have this disorder. He was able to recover in less than a year. And not just recover, get back to the, a level of recovery in which he could play a professional sport at a very, very high level. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty rare. And that's something that I think we should keep in mind watching him play on Sunday. I think it's tempting to just look at guys on the field, especially in the NFL, as just you know helmets and shoulder pads and a jersey with a name and number on it. But there are Real human stories that go into each one of these guys just getting to the field each and every week. And Frederick is a great example of that. On top of that, he's a Wisconsin graduate and is actually from Wisconsin as well. So some extra special connections there to him as well. On top of all of those things, he also has just a really, really excellent beard, which I think is a commendable attribute in an NFL player or really anyone. So shout out to you beard-having individuals out there. Good for you. What happened the last time the Packers and Cowboys played? We talked about this, as a matter of fact, on the most recent episode of Blue 58. Well, second most recent. The most recent one is the episode you are listening to right now. Wednesday's episode, we talked about seven great wins over the Dallas Cowboys in Packers history, and this was one of the ones that we covered. All the way back in 2017, the Packers defeated the Cowboys thanks to a late game-winning drive by Aaron Rodgers. And we really don't have to go into it much further than that because we already spent a podcast talking about great wins over the Dallas Cowboys. But 
at thepowersweep.com, there is a great 10-minute or so video from the NFL's Turning Point series in which Aaron Rodgers talks his way through the game-winning drive, what he was thinking, uh, what was going through his mind, why they picked certain plays, why they went with certain plays in certain situations. And uh, it's it's worth your time. Check that out if you haven't. If you watched it back in 2017, now is a great time to rewatch it. Uh, give that a look. It again is worth your time. Feels like we're breezing through this podcast really quickly, and that's uh, for a pretty good reason. I think this is a pretty easy game to pick. And to to give away my pick, I'm picking the Cowboys to win. The Packers have either been pretty evenly matched with whoever they're playing on on a given week so far this season or the favorite. So as good as the Bears were, it was was pretty even there just just coming in. It looked like the Packers were going to be able to compete. Same with the Vikings. Even even the good things that they do, it, it should have been a pretty even game. And both of those games turned out to be pretty even. The Packers were favored against the Broncos, rightly so. And they were favored against the the Eagles, but not by much. And again, they were pretty evenly matched and probably should have won that game. This, I think, is the first time this season the Packers really seem to be a decided underdog. And although in my heart, I would like to think that they can really pull it together, rally, and come up with a big upset on the road, it just doesn't feel like they're quite there yet. My colleague Gary talks a lot about, in our private conversations, about the life cycles of teams. And he says, he always argues there's a four-stage life cycles life cycle. Uh, big losses, small losses, small wins, and big wins. I think in the Lafleur era so far, the Packers are still at kind of the, that small wins stage. They're not pulling off decided victories over anybody yet even their win over the uh, over the Broncos which should have been a, an absolute rout didn't quite feel that way the Packers are still in their development with Lafleur, where they're just trying to get by and just trying to to skate out wins where they can't skate out makes it sound a little bit worse than it probably is but I think they're they're not quite a commanding presence as a team yet and I think to go on the road at this point in the season against a Dallas team that seems to have it a lot more together than the Packers do, taking nothing away from the Packers, just praising the Cowboys there, that seems like a big ask. The Packers don't seem quite ready to be at the big wins stage of their development. They need to get there soon because this entire Matt LaFleur project is probably a two-year deal at best. Uh, They need to be looking respectable by the end of this year, pushing probably to the divisional round as as I predicted at the start of the season. And then they need to be like NFC Championship game Super Bowl contenders next year. Otherwise, we're really looking at the end of the Aaron Rodgers era. That's not where they are just yet, though. They need to get there. They're not there yet. I take the Cowboys 27 to 20. Now, the fans are a lot more positive than I am. And that has been the rule so far this year. But fans are less positive than they've been at any other point this season. 57% of voters believe the Packers will beat the Cowboys on Sunday. That is by far the lowest return on that particular question so far this year. And that does kind of reflect an overall shift towards the negative in this, this year or this week's poll. Um, Overall, the approval rating is still pretty high, 58%, uh, but it, it's it's down from where it's been the past few weeks. 
And I think that is to be expected after the first loss of the year. But there still are a couple players that are, are a couple individuals where the approval rating is pretty high. Uh, Brian Gutekunst still sitting at 90% and Mike Pettin all the way up at 95%, which is, to be fair, a drop off from where he was last week. But there's really only one way you can go from 100% and that is down. And that's exactly what he has done. Um, again, not a real big surprise, but he did go down from, uh, from 100%. Lasted one week at the absolute very top there. One last thought before we let you go on this preview. This week, the Packers uh, made a move claiming Tim Williams on waivers, a former third-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, front office man Milt Hendrickson, a former personnel guy with the uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. So the connection there is pretty obvious. And the Packers obviously think they can still get something out of Williams, who's only had two sacks so far in a little over two years of NFL play. There are two big questions about Williams. Why did people think he was a worthwhile prospect in the in the first place? And what has so far pre- prevented him from, uh, from reaching that potential in the NFL? Because even in a small role, he was a very productive player in Alabama. He had more than nine sacks in each of his last two seasons uh, playing for the Crimson Tide. To answer that first question, what made him a desirable prospect? You really only have to look at one thing his get-off. He gets off the ball really, really quickly. And that's something that former NFL pass rusher Sean Merriman said of Williams. He said he's really great at that. Great at that. Quoting now from AL.com, quote, his get-off the ball and the way he time snaps, you can't coach that. You can coach guys and get them better with their technique and getting off blocks and things like that. You can get a guy better with his hands and help him learn different moves and stuff like that. The way he takes off of the ball And his explosion and his ability to turn a corner, you can't coach that, end quote. That's the problem, though. He has not been able to develop past having just that one attribute into a competent NFL pass rusher. The Packers, however, could be pretty uniquely positioned to help him reach that potential. And we're going to go all the way back to Mike Pettin's New York Jets days to look at an example of that. He and outside linebackers coach Mike Smith worked together there and had a unique opportunity to develop another cashed-off pass rusher. This one was Aaron Maben, the former 11th overall pick in the NFL draft. He lasted just two years with the Buffalo Bills and managed exactly zero sacks in his time in Buffalo. He's out on the street. The Jets need some help. They bring him in, and they have to figure out how to make him into a worthwhile pass rusher. And they did. In 2012, Mabin put together a six-sack season working under Mike Pettin and Mike Smith, as well as Rex Ryan, of course, um, in a defense that was overall very, very talented. Now, the Packers may not quite have the level of talent that the 2012 New York Jets did on defense. They were a very, very good team. And he also may not have, Williams that is, the raw talent that Mabin did. But the blueprint is there. And you think if anybody can get him to a, a situation where he can use that thing that he does really well, getting off the ball really quickly, Mike Patton would be the guy who can do that. Let's see if he gets a chance over these next few weeks to really implement it or whether this is just a, a short-term kind of rental. Let's take a look and see what this guy is. I, I tend to think it's more the former. I think they want to... Uh, really take a second and uh, see if they can work him up into anything as a pass rusher. We'll see. The blueprint is there. It's going to be up to the the Packers, Petten, and Smith 
to implement it. That's all I've got for you on this particular episode. Take a second, would you, and read the preview at thepowersweep.com as well. You've got Gary's tale of the tape graphic there. That's worth a look, as well as that video I mentioned of the Packers rallying for a win in Dallas in 2017. I do appreciate you listening in. If you like what you heard, leave us a rating and a review wherever you happen to be listening. That does help more people find the show. If you want to support us other ways, check out the support page at thepowersweep.com. That gives you a few options there. And uh, it'll it'll help you keep the good stuff coming from the Power Sweep and from Blue 58. We'll see you Monday, hopefully after a Packers win. Uh, we will see you next time on Blue 58.